0: There was a crowd gathered in the, um, the courtyard, and they were all wondering and discussing among themselves, uh, who was this one that was arrested, this one Jesus? They, he was arrested for, for blasphemy. And they were discussing and debating whether he was from God, or whether he was the devil, or where he, what, what he was about. One of them saw Peter standing over by the fire and said, "You you were with you're with him, weren't you?" And he said, "No, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know the carpenter." And someone else chimed in and said, "No, I'm I'm pretty sure that you were, you were with him." And his answer was to swear and, and to, to to offer oaths to bolster his position that says he didn't know. Jesus he walked away from the fire and and people went back together and started talking again and one of them broke off from that group and came back and said surely you are uh, you are with him uh, because your speech betrays you or because your accent betrays you or because even the way you talk gives you away. Different translations, same topic. In Mark, it says that, uh, it it adds an additional dimension. It says, surely you are one of them because you're a Galilean too. It wasn't his speech that was spiritual in nature it wasn't that he was talking about or he was advocating or, or uh, preaching uh, what Jesus had been, had been doing throughout the entire number of years before. So it wasn't that he was espousing any doctrine or even talking about Jesus at all. He wasn't talking at all. He was watching, as all of them were, the, the scene of the, the preliminary court that was in the, the mezzanine Just uh, just above the uh, the courtyard. Certainly, him swearing did not make him aligned to Jesus. If anything, it made him more aligned to them than uh, than anything else. But his country language, his uh, the brogue in which he spoke, that is what betrayed him. There's a place in England. Uh, that is uh, fairly unique. Uh, there's a. It's the name of the of the city is uh, it's Cockney, and you are you are in you are someone from Cockney if you are within three miles of that city. Because three miles away is how far you you have to be. After three miles, you can't hear the church bells ring, and that's. That's the definition of people who are from Cockney. That's not nearly as interesting as the fact that the way that they talk is really, really different. They are not the lyrical, um, really uh, impressive uh, sound of a, of, a, of a gentle English accent. They have a harsh, hard edge to what they to, to the way that they 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 speak. They speak in terms that just defy logic. If you're not from Cockney, you don't understand when someone says, well, Bob's your uncle, that that means uh, we're on the right track. They have words that they put together in a way that nobody else in, in the UK uses. So it's really easy for people to understand where they're from because basically they butcher the language in a very unique way. We have, we have places like that here in, in the States. It's, it's pretty easy for us to understand when someone has a Cajun accent. We, c- we can find that pretty easily. Um, the Galileans did that with the, with, the Hebrew, with the Greek language. People in Jerusalem spoke the same language that the people from Galilee did. But the people in Jerusalem spoke with certain precision and carefulness. And accuracy uh, that the uh, that more uh, it just was the nature of the culture in Jerusalem. So when someone from Galilee shows up, it's easy to see they're not from Jerusalem. It's easy to identify they're from Galilee. And so the thing that 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 um, uh, revealed Peter for who he was is that he talked like a Galilean. And so as such, they associated him with the one from Nazareth. Put in Galilee. And so he gave, his speech gave away, the way he talked, gave away who he was and where he was from. So the question, I guess, that we want to look at is, is what does our speech reveal to others? As we look at our lives, we look at what we are doing uh, in our lives. If we talk the way that the world talks, if we talk like they do, and then we will start with that. Start to think the way the world thinks. We'll start adopting some of the thinking behind the words that we're choosing, the words that we're using. Uh, and pretty soon we'll, we'll be just like the world, and there will be no difference between the world and and us. It's very, the, it's very important that we understand uh, how important this is. Uh, we begin to see there's, there's so many things that are politically correct now. There's so many terms that, uh, that water things down. If we say someone's fooling around, we all know what that means. If we know that someone's having an affair, we know what that means. It means fornication, and that's a sin, but it doesn't sound like that when we say, those, when we say that they're fooling around. If someone's feeling no pain or they're really wasted, we understand that that means that they're drunk. God says that's a sin. But when we describe it the way that we do, it doesn't sound so bad. That's the way the world would describe it. Someone's living an alternate lifestyle. That alternate lifestyle uh, is homosexuality, and it's condemned repeatedly as a sin throughout, throughout the Bible. We, um, we have to understand that using cute and colorful uh, phrases to make sin sound more acceptable is the way that the world. will will infiltrate us and is the first step for us to begin to accept that it's not a sin. Our speech will affect the way that we think. Our speech, and and using worldly terminology and worldly language, will affect us in ways that goes beyond just simply phrases or things that, that we say. We know that we get phone calls or we talk to people on the phone, and we know that they... Uh, we can tell that they aren 't from here. We can tell that they have a very distinct accent, and their their English might be great, but their accent is very thick and very hard to understand at times when we um, We worshiped at a previous congregation and there was uh, there was one of the members that was as simple uh, as as you could imagine he was not at all um, educated he was not uh, he was not overly refined, he was just a simple man that was very devout, devout, devout and devoted, get that backwards. But you could tell that who he was by the way he spoke. A few pews away was someone that was a doctor who had photographic memory, who had the ability of speaking on any topic that you wanna talk, talk about, very educated, and had the ability of being very refined at times. This isn't something necessarily that one was better than the other. In fact, uh, those characteristics I've described are just unique to the person. But by listening to someone as they speak, we can get an indication about their background. We can get an indication about who they are. We can get an indication about uh, what's, how, where this person fits in the, in the structure of society. If you, want, if you want to have a good conversation with dad, all you have to do is ask him about hunting and dogs. And you'll be, you'll be there talking to him for an hour, or listen to him for an hour, because that's something that dad really enjoys and has always enjoyed uh, doing in his life. Most of you know you don't want to bring up photography to me because I'll talk your ear off. You can tell what's important to people by what they, by what they talk about. You can tell what people are interested in because they they can talk about it, or they will talk about it, as opposed to something where uh, the topic never comes up whatsoever. But if from a spiritual basis, the way we speak will, will portray to people who we really are, the true person. No matter how much we might try to, uh, to present a, uh, ourselves a certain way, or we may think that we are connecting ourselves a certain way, uh, our speech will tell you who we really are. People who observe us—have you ever had anybody that you've never talked to about religious things? You never talked about um, about being a Christian. You never talked about the Bible. You've never talked about anything along that line, and yet they knew that you were a Christian. They may not know anything about what you believe, but they knew that there was something about you that's religious, and there's something about you that's principled. And it's not because you told them. It's not because they asked. It's because they could just see who you are. The way that we speak also can convey how we're doing, the barometer, so to speak, of what our spiritual condition is. We can tell by, by, to, by the way we talk, by the way other people talk and we listen, we can see if they're really despondent. We can see if they're really just uh, low, they're just almost they're running on fumes. They're just low on energy, low on, on their, their strength, and they're kind of holding on by their fingernails. And we can tell when someone is excited and they're strong and they're, uh, everything about them is vibrant and they're very enthusiastic about things that are, are about our Savior and about our, our promise that we have through him. We can tell just by listening. Ultimately, though, what we talk about as Christians will convey and will demonstrate the way that we, the way that we think about and the way that we uh, have conducted ourselves, what is the condition of our heart. We'll see that, we'll, we'll hear that as we go through and we talk to people around us, even among ourselves. Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. and An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of his heart of the heart his mouth speaks wherever we, we put our treasure whether it's on the good things we will speak about things in a way that is good if we are if, if, if evil reigns in our life then our speech will convey that also it's out of that treasure it's out of that abundance that fills up our heart that we will convey and we will speak not based upon uh, the, because the the words that we choose, but because of the heart and the heart uh, behind it, and how how we're thinking and what's important to us, the way that we speak and what we say reveals a great deal about uh, about our Christian character, or the lack thereof. It's not simply about choosing your words carefully because you're you're uh, trying to uh, to present something that's planned. Uh, it, we we convey who we are uh and what's important for us to, to look at in my point in this to th- this morning is for us to, to see what does our speech say about us what do we convey as we speak and as we talk with with, with uh, our brethren part of what the reading was this morning uh, in james 3 starting in verse 6 and the tongue is a fire and the very world of iniquity the tongue is set among our members Uh, as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species uh, of beasts and birds and reptiles and and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Our tongue can defile our entire body. Our tongue can defile us. Why is that? First of all, is this important? Is this topic really something that we need to worry our, spend our time on? This is a very, very strong condemnation, very strong uh, ad, uh, admonition for us to be very careful about how the, the, the challenges and the difficulty that we have in our speech, and why and where that speech comes from. To say that it's, to say that it is, uh, it's, it's fired by the fires of hell, gives us an indication about the problems, the severity, and the intensity of the problem that we have, in 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 the, uh, the choice of our words and the use of our tongue. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who has been, made in the likeness of God. For the same, uh, from f- from the same mouth, comes both blessings and cursing. My brethren these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree my brethren produce olives or a vine or tre- vine produce figs? No one c- uh, nor can salt water produce fresh. We have a similar contrast when we're told that we can't serve two masters. We have to choose who we will serve and who we will hate. Which one will we esteem highly and then we will bow to Versus which one will we disregard as being not valuable at all? The same thing is here that says we can't, we can't choose and say, well, I'm going to offer up my worship. I'm going to offer up my praise to God, but I'm the, the rest of what I have to say to my brethren, to other, other aspects of my life as I talk, uh, I'll, I'll do something different. Because this, as we read a minute ago, because this is a nature of our heart, We don't simply, it's just simply not the the words that we use. It's the nature of the words that we use and where they originate. The fact is that many of the judgments that are made about us will be based upon what we say and how we say it. Whether we like that or not, whether we agree with what people think about us, the fact is people will discern what, what they hear and they'll understand who we are based upon what we hear. And sometimes we may not, may not like their conclusions, but it may not be that it's their fault. It may be that they're wrong, and they need to listen a little bit longer. But it may be that, we're, that, we're, that we are actually conveying something that we don't quite realize uh, is so important. Galatians 5, 19, the acts, of the, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry with witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some of those, some of those you, we may look at this and say, I, what has that got to do with, that, with our speech? Well, the fact is, is that hatred is something that you will express. All of these things that are highlighted here are all things that, these are actions that involve our speech. They are, they are expressed as explicitly. Uh, they are enlarged or made bigger as we talk. Uh, and they're revealed through our words. So if you, you can't spread discord without talking. It's something that is a, it's something we do with our mouth, with our heart. If we're jealous, we, we will invariably show indications that we're jealous of someone. If we are in a, in a rage, how, how easy is it for us to hide and be really subtle and have an internal rage? It's very obvious. We can see, we can see that someone is raging. We can see that someone's angry. And more than likely, uh, before we even realize it, because we're kind of going crazy with how angry we are, uh, we're not using good judgment. And it, stuff will come out of our mouth that we didn't want to come out of our mouth but we're thinking it we don't ever say anything that we didn't think it's important enough that we recognize that these things many of which are involved with or may be in the nature of speech that those are things that will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God again very uh, very potent very specific instructions but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep, keep in step with the spirit. We crucified the flesh, meaning these things we just talked about, those emotions, those ideas, those conditions of our heart have been relegated to to being no longer important to us. We no longer will be personified by those types of, uh, of, of expression and those types of activities. Instead, we, we, the, the, our passions do not rule us. The, Christ rules us. And as such, we, uh, we speak uh, and we conduct ourselves with a different heart. So if we are going to... Uh, If we, the fruit of the spirit as we read all these different um, attributes, we live those attributes and we want, and we have to need to keep in step with, uh, with what we say that we're going to do spiritually. We need to live in a way, in a way that's consistent with that. Our, um, our speech reveals our spiritual condition. How are we doing? What's, what's going on with us? and, And sometimes you don't even have to ask. Does speech betray our lack of faith? We you look at the story of Moses sending out the spies into Canaan, sends out 12 spies, and they come back. And the intent of the 12 say, uh, we, we couldn't possibly go into Canaan. We can't do that. The people are really strong. The cities are large. They've got big fortifications and walls around them. We'd never be able to, to take them. And not, not only that, they're giants. They ran into three different clans of giants. These are the people that, uh, that Goliath descended from. Goliath who was seven or eight feet tall. And the, the, the reaction of the spies was we felt like grasshoppers. They understood. They understood why they were going. They weren't sent to say should we, uh, should we actually go to take the land. They were just supposed to spy it out and, and look to see what was there. They understood the promises that this was the promised land. They understood what God had promised. And yet, because they, were, they didn't believe, because they didn't have faith, uh, they were unwilling to claim the promises that, we, uh, that, they were, that, that they were given. And so they concluded that they couldn't conquer, that the Israelites couldn't conquer uh, Canaan by themselves. Of course, God never said that they were supposed to conquer Canaan by themselves. But they looked at it purely, not through the eyes of faith, but they looked at it from their, their own abilities and from a temporal basis. But our speech can reveal um, our faith. On the other side, we have two of the spies that when Caleb came back, before almost before anybody could say anything, it seems, he blurts out, this is, gonna, this is great. We need to go in and take this land. This is, this is exactly what I was hoping for, in so many words. And then it's refuting that. But then the 10 spies say, no, 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 we can't do that. We saw the land ourselves, and it's very good. If we obey the Lord, he will surely give us that land rich with milk and honey. They brought back as an example a a cluster of grapes. And the cluster of grapes was so big that they used a stick and had two people carry it. It was so amazing of people who were coming out of the desert to find such lush and fertile and an uh, amazing place to be after, after being in the desert to see this, this promised land is everything we could have hoped for. Caleb and Joshua believed that God was able. They, they did not see with their own eyes. They didn't see with their own abilities. They understood that God was going to lead them, and God was going to reward them, and God was going to deliver them. So their speech was proclaimed, their faith was proclaimed when they said, no, we have to go do this. If we do this, God will. God will deliver us. Now the people decided that they were going to listen to the 10 spies. And so God says, well, then you're going to wander in the desert. You turn around and go the other way. They went, no, 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 we're going to take the land. We're going to go in ourselves. And they tried to do that by themselves. And they were slaughtered. So they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the desert. But when they finally did enter uh, Canaan. It was a journey of miracles. The second time that God parted the water and, and, and piled it up was not not the Red Sea. That was the first time. The second time was when uh, the Is- Israelites were crossing Jordan. And the water piled up and flooded everything behind it. And so the priests and the people would walk in on dry ground, walk across the River Jordan. It was, and by the way, this was at flood stage. This wasn't this was a low uh, stream. So they witnessed, if they, if they were not alive then to see the, the miracle of the Red Sea, they saw it in Jordan. And they saw that, that, that they, as they came in, they saw that God was with them. And there was a, a string of things, so many different aspects that was conveyed not only to them, but to the people of Canaan, that God was with them. They walked around Jericho. They didn't, they didn't put on a, a siege. They didn't go to battle. For seven days, or six days, they walked around the city and didn't do anything. They just walked quietly, and they went back to camp. On the seventh day, they walked around the city seven times, and then they shouted and blew trumpets, and this massive wall, this massively fortified city, fell into crumbles. It just it just fell into small pieces and they didn't have to do anything to, to take the city not too far after this you may remember that the Israelites were, were fighting a battle and they were winning but the day was running out and so Joshua asked that the God that God would hold the Sun so that they could continue to, to, to win and so God f- froze the day it extended the day, which means everything in our universe that was moving stopped. The creator froze creation, and the battle continued until the Israelites won. The Israelites saw what Caleb and what Joshua had professed all along. We may get caught up in the idea of, I can't. Uh, I, I, I can't. I can't get over this, this weakness of mine and the sin that is, is just nagging at me and I can't get over it. I just, I just can't figure out how, to, how to, to love this person. I really can't figure out how to get along with this person. I really can't figure out how to do this. I just can't do that. And we can fill in as many I can'ts as we, may, as we can imagine. But the fact is, is that we, just as the Israelites, it's not necessarily that we have to do it ourselves, but we remember that God can do it. And we put our faith in God, and we put our, we put our trust in God, and we pray and ask for those things that we, do, that, we, that we need to be able to do what we should. These are all matters of the heart. Philippians 14.12, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering a need, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Now who is it that wrote this? Remember this is the, this is the one that, this is uh, Paul who has the the, the, uh, the affliction of the flesh, and he prayed three times that it was taken away, whatever it was, and God said no three times, but he gave him the strength to bear it. We, we, we look at our, we may find ourselves to be discouraged. We may find ourselves to be um, weak in our strength and in our heart. And our, and our words may betray that, but only because we've taken our eye off of who will convey our, our, uh, our, our salvation, who will bring us victory. We have to understand that God and his strength is more than, than able. So if we have the, if we have the, um, the attitude in our heart uh, if that's where the origin of of our speech comes from then how would love how would love change the way that we speak and the way that we act if we have our heart right Ephesians 4 29 let no unwholesome word the word unwholesome is actually literally tr- uh, translated as a despicable word meaning rotten uh, let no Unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only uh, only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give us it will give grace to those who hear it. What we have to say needs to be needs to be edifying. It needs to be beneficial. It needs to be something that those around us will benefit when we speak. The manner in which we speak, because we stop. And we control what we say. We control the way that we, that we talk to people. And we do so in a way because we love our brethren. We love those around us. And we're seeking to edify them and to build them up. As opposed to having no regard for them whatsoever. And potentially destroying or, or uh, debilitating their faith. Colossians 3, uh, starting at verse 12. says, those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved put on a heart of of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against one another, just as the Lord forgave you, also you should also so also should you. Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The imagery that we see uh, that we see of putting on love is the same imagery of saying we put on Christ. This is a change, this is a nature this is a change in our nature, a change in, 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 our, in what's valuable to us, a change in uh, how we conduct ourselves and what's important to us. The way that we build each other up, the way that we, underneath compassion, if we, if we love each other, if we have love, we don't have to worry about being frustrated because we can't be compassionate because I'm angry or I'm frustrated. I have compassion because I love. And I speak to someone with compassion. I speak with humility when we have instructions on how we are to, uh, to admonish a brother, is we we're told to go and correct that brother with gentleness, with the hope to restore them. It's not a matter of being condescending. It's not a matter of being harsh. It's a matter of out of love, our approach is humble. Our approach of the way we deal with each other is not one of arrogance and one of selfish uh, ambition. Putting on love is the perfect bond of unity. Watch out for your heart with all diligence, for for it flows from the springs of life, from Proverbs. Watch out, because from your heart flows the springs of life. Be careful. This is the the origin of, of our life, our spiritual life, our spiritual being. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Again, this is not simply about the words that we use. This is not about just saying, I'm, I'm not gonna say these words. I'm not going to use uh, bad language anymore. Uh, this is talking about the condition of our heart. And out of love and, and strength, we then at that point control our hearts. And we don't have, we don't have a speech problem anymore we don't have a heart problem anymore. We have the ability of, uh, of being right with God. And if we don't do that, not because our, of our language, but because our heart is not right, if we do that, our, our, our religion is worthless. To put a further exclamation point, a faith that does not transform our tongue is not a saving faith. We may be religious. We may have a lot of things that we, uh, that, we, that we do the way we should do, but if our heart has not been converted, has not been changed, um, our faith is, is, whatever we may think our faith is, uh, it's not the faith that saves us if we cannot control and change our heart and our speech. Again, reminder that um, Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks so as we look at as we look at the demand for how we control our our, our tongue what we may what people may see when they uh, when they hear us talking how, what we may reveal uh, as we speak recognize that it's not it's not the words we're not simply just saying i can't say that it's against the rules i have to only say these kinds of things this is a matter of the heart And the tongue, as difficult as it is to control, just the way a a small rudder would control a really big boat, our tongue, as small as it is, can damage and destroy us spiritually. Why? It's not just our tongue. It's the heart that's behind it that's at stake. I encourage us to, to think about this. This seems like a very simple and basic topic, and yet it's one that is so profound in the, we saw the instructions and the warnings about this. This is a heart problem that manifests itself with our speech. I would ask that God give us blessing, that God would give us patience as we work to improve our, our heart and to improve our speech as we grow in our maturity. If there's anything that we can do to, to help anyone, uh, would you please come forward as we sing this song.